0: Talkzone.com. as uh, I will be flying solo. Uh, My name is Justin Weiner, filling in for the coach and for Big Dog, uh, both on very uh, much-needed vacations, especially the coach. And uh, our our producer, David Olson on the other side of the glass. David, I talked to you about this in in the pre-show, but it's got to be nice to not have to deal with those two for a week. It's always nice to get a break, Justin. Yeah, I'm sure it is. We have a full slate uh, to talk about today, we'll talk about the World Cup. The NHL Awards is tonight, or they are tonight. Uh, the NBA Draft coming up tomorrow night. Tom Thibodeau, the new coach of the Chicago Bulls, will be announced uh, at the top of this hour. We're uh, coming up at 11 o'clock. And we'll also talk about the miserable uh, Chicago baseball that we have to watch. And thankfully, actually, we uh, we have to uh, start, or we get to start with the World Cup, which has been my savior for this last uh, couple weeks and hopefully until Bears training camp starts because if you live in Chicago, you come off the high of the Chicago Blackhawks winning the Stanley Cup and then you are lulled into watching the both the north side and the south side really not play very well. However, we'll get to that in in a bit because we'll have to talk about the White Sox' recent surge of 11 out of 12 victories. And, of course, we will start with the World Cup. And if you'd like to talk about it, 888-463-6748. That's 888-GO-FOR-IT if you'd like to chime in. And we'd love to hear from you. Again, I'm Justin Weiner. We'll start with the World Cup. And it's actually the United States and Algeria tied at zero, just about ready to start the second half. And the first half was a half filled with some ups and downs for the U.S., another disallowed goal. And this one coming in the 20th minute. Hercules Gomez had a remarkable chance, wide open, inside the box. He gets the ball off a rebound, and he pops it right in to the goaltender, uh, Mibol. And unfortunately, on the rebound, Clint Dempsey's right there, and he's ruled off sides. Now, every replay that I saw, it could have really gone either way. It it was close, very close. And you look at this team where they come off last game against Slovenia, where the game-winning goal from Maurice Edu or Maurice Edu was disallowed because of a mysterious foul. You have to wonder how this team is going to come out in the second half. You look at the, the statistics here, and it don't it does not bode well for the United States. They are 0-2-3 when tied at the half in all of their World Cup matches. That having been said, they also have not won a third game in the World Cup ever. Since 1950, since they started playing in the World Cup, they have six World Cup appearances since 1950, and they have lost all six of their third games. Now, again, we hope that history does not repeat itself, but the way this game is going, Algeria has not given up a goal in this entire World Cup match. In this entire World Cup, they haven't also scored a goal in their last four matches. So, here's the scenario. In the other game, in Group C, England leads Slovenia 1-0. They have just started the second half as well. If that game stands, the only way for the U.S. to advance into the round of 16 is to win. There is no if ands, or buts about it. You can't tie, and obviously a loss, and you're done. So it's pretty, it's a pretty easy road for the United States if you're looking in terms of logistics here. You have to win. Especially if England can hold on to a one-to-nothing victory over Slovenia, which, by watching the game, looks like they pretty much have that in the bag. That Edmund said, you, "You really never know," and we'll keep you updated on all the happenings of the World Cup in these two matches as we go along here in the next hour. Again, eight eight eight, go for it if you'd like to call in and talk to us about the World Cup or anything else on your mind. That is eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Justin Weiner with you for the full hour from 10 to 11. The Big Dog and the coach off for the week. I will actually be on with you tomorrow during the 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock hour on the show. So if you don't like me today, I'm sorry. You're going to have to listen to me tomorrow. Um, and we also have the coach, uh, I should say, uh, Big Dog on the line tomorrow to talk with us over the phone uh, for most of the show. But getting back to the World Cup, uh, yesterday... Uh, Uruguay rolled on and Mexico, uh, moved on into the field of 16 despite losses. Uh, Uruguay beat Mexico with a one to nothing win. And despite that loss, the Mexicans still were able to, uh, advance to the knockout round. Uh, and basically it was a better goal differential over South Africa. So even though South Africa beats France, who, if I'm France, I just, I don't know what you're going to do. All the tu- all the turmoil with that team, it was almost as if you knew they weren't going to make it past this round. Just the way things were going with the team, uh, the team not wanting to play for the coach, it was just a bad scenario. And then South Africa, which the host team, the host city, they don't get to advance, and they're actually the first World Cup host team to fail to advance from the first round. Yet they beat France two to one, so it was kind of a sob story, if you will, in South Africa. And hopefully we can get rid of the vuvuzelas or vuvuzuelas, whatever you have them, because uh, they might start to infiltrate stadiums along or inside the United States. And hopefully, uh, as we saw with the Florida Marlins debacle, that won't happen because that is easily one of the most annoying sounds I have ever heard. It is a it, it, it ruins the game. I would much rather watch the game and turn down the sound, mute it because frankly you you can't really expect any fan to want to listen to a buzzing it's almost like a thousand a million whatever a billion bees buzzing in your ear while you're watching a soccer game and i don't know how many of you soccer fans are out there because i understand it's a pretty slow game you know you, you, some people like to compare it to hockey and that you know it, it is a uh, it can be a slow game but when you look at hockey Hockey has transferred into a much quicker game. Soccer, you're used to seeing zero, zero draws, one, nothing wins, things like that. But in hockey, you can see five to six, seven goal games. So I don't know how I like that comparison, but uh, getting back to the world cup group B moving on to the round of 16 uh, will be Argentina and South Korea. Argentina, uh, of course, uh, or I should say, in my opinion, the favorite to move on and win the round of 16 they are a, a force to be reckoned with because that team has it all um they just they won it's third they won their third straight game and uh they i mean they just they cannot be stopped their offense is is great their defense is is shutting down teams and frankly i don't see very many teams that are going to be able to compete with them you know I, I came into this world cup again i me being a, a A very average soccer fan. I wouldn't call myself a a, a diehard soccer fan, but when it comes to the World Cup, it comes around once every four years. And of course you want to watch it. It's like the Olympics or it's, you you, you want to just, you want to experience what it is because it happens, uh, only every four years. So when I came into this, I'm thinking, you know, of course, Brazil, the number one team in the world, they're the favorite. I liked England. uh, I'm a big fan of Wayne Rooney, but. When you look at England, just they have not performed to the level that they should. Again, they lead one nothing over Slovenia in the 54th minute in the other game in uh, in Group C. But for the most part, they they did not impress me. So if you're looking down the stretch here, you have Argentina and Brazil as the definite two favorites. And as I'm saying that Algeria has a very good scoring chance on a uh, corner kick that was just bounced out um out of play over the goal couple headers and it goes over the net which thankfully is a good thing because if the United States gets down one nothing I don't know how much more mojo or uh I, I don't even know what you'd call it. I don't know how much more the United States can come back uh, as they have been uh, fittingly named the comeback kids of the World Cup so we'll get to that, and we'll keep you updated on the World Cup, but I want to transition into a little bit of the NBA draft, which is coming up on Thursday, and also the hiring of Tom Thibodeau for the Chicago Bulls. When you look at Tom Thibodeau, a proven winner at in Boston with the Celtics, and he has been a guy that the Bulls have said, this is our guy, this is the right fit for us, I know I was on the show a, a while back with the coach and we were talking about who we thought should fill this role as the Bulls coach. And I said that if it's a coach that's going to bring in a free agent like LeBron James, like Dwayne Wade, like Joe Johnson or Chris Bosch, if, if that's the coach that's going to bring in one of those free agents, I like that route because that is your number one goal. Your number one goal, if you're a Chicago Bulls fan, and if you're from the Midwest, which a majority of our listeners are, you want the guy that's going to bring in your talent, that can harness your talent, that can make your talent better. Now, when I look into Tom Thibodeau, a team like the Bulls that have not been that great defensively, and Thibodeau being a very defensive-minded coach, I like the hire. I don't know if he's going to bring in LeBron James. I don't even know if a coach can bring in LeBron James or, or... Dwayne Wade, who for all intents and purposes looks like he's staying in Miami, and possibly Chris Bosh going with him. But if Tom Thibodeau is the right fit, which they've said he is, and they will say at the top of the hour when they have a press conference to officially announce him, then I like it. But who are we getting? Which Tom Thibodeau are we getting? Are we getting the Tom Thibodeau that helped his uh, Boston Celtics team to the NBA Finals? Or are we going to get a Boston Celtics coach, or a former Boston Celtics coach, that gave up 17 points in the NBA Finals Game Seven? I mean, I, again, I I know that there's there's the philosophy and the player execution in here, but I I'm not entirely sold on Thibodeau. I'm not entirely sold, and I won't be sold until I see the Bulls come out there and play their first game and play their first week of games, and I see okay, this is a defensive minded team. This is a team that can actually compete in the Eastern Conference. But it is what it is. You can't really complain now because the Bulls are hiring Tom Thibodeau. You're going to hope that he can turn this team around. You're going to hope that he can uh, harness the talent of Derrick Rose and, and expand upon it and make him a better player, make him better defensively, uh, make the team better defensively. And if you're a Bulls fan, you look at the NBA draft, which is coming up on Thursday night, and we have a, a local product in uh, John Shire, who will be uh, or who looks and hopes to be drafted uh, tomorrow evening, and we're uh, we're hoping to get him on the line later uh, later today. But if we don't, uh, we'll hope to talk to him tomorrow, uh, the day before, I should say, the day of his uh, prospective draft. And the NBA draft, the Bulls only have one pick; they have the 17th pick. I don't know how much you're going to do with the 17th pick. They had the 16th pick last year and uh, they didn't do very much with it. They had, uh, you know, James Johnson who performed pretty well, but he wasn't he wasn't a uh, deal breaker, you know, he didn't make the team so much better. So if you're the Bulls, you ha- it is what it is. You can try to either trade away the pick or and, and try to get some free agents or maybe get another pick and, and and try to get that free agent like LeBron James, which I think is the number 1 goal for the Bulls is that free agent signing, which uh, starts July 1st. But looking at the NBA draft, the consensus number one pick, in my mind, and I think in everyone's mind, is John Wall. The kid is just a phenomenal player, tremendous upside. You saw how good he was at the University of Kentucky. He was fantastic. He shined on offense. Now, his defensibility, that defense has not been a big part of the NBA In the last few years, it's more about offensive and scoring, but John Wall is the full package. I really like what I see in John Wall. I mean, I can't. In every mock draft, he's going number one. You you could see maybe Evan Turner, but uh, you know, I, I really think that John Wall is the consensus number one pick. And in saying that, I think he will be a very good NBA player. The Wizards will select John Wall. I don't think there's any way around it. I mean, the, I would call it, I, w- I would say that the, the NBA, uh, the draft lottery gods, uh, basically shined on a ruined franchise when they gave the Wizards the first overall pick. Um, I, I basically think that any other pick would be, would be spitting in the face of the, the gods, the, the, the NBA draft lottery gods, if there are such things. And of course, if you want to talk about it, 888-463-6748, that's 888-go for it to chime in with me, Justin Weiner. Uh, for the rest of this hour, we're talking NBA draft and, and of course, we'll get into a little bit more of the Chicago Bulls hiring of Tom Thibodeau. But Wall had NBA superstar essentially written all over him, uh, in the first half of the college basketball season. I mean, he, he faded a little bit down the stretch and that's when we saw Evan Turner really pick it up. Again, Evan Turner with a back injury. So uh, basically with with Turner out, Wall shined. So I don't think that you can can pass if you're the Wizards on Wall to go down to Evan Turner. He has absolute freakish athleticism. He can make plays that guys like Rajon Rondo can make, who's a proven NBA player. And he is going to make the Wizards better. Let's just hope, for his sake, he doesn't run into any uh, uh, gun laws or be carrying guns uh, with him into the locker room, as uh, Gilbert Arenas did, and he doesn't fall into that trap. But you could argue, if you're looking, playing devil's advocate here, you could argue that Wall fading down the stretch, maybe you want to take Turner because he's more of a proven player, uh, also a local product, a St. Joe's kid, uh, went on to play at Ohio State and, and really excelled at Ohio State. He was fantastic. But I don't think... That the Wizards will take anyone else besides John Wall. When you get into the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers pick, um, there there really seems to be no debate here. Evan Turner, Evan Turner has to go number two. If there's if it's a one, if number one is John Wall, number one a is definitely Evan Turner. There's no way around it. The guy is just a solid college player. He knows the game. He can improve upon his game. He's a smart kid. But I have heard rumors that the 76ers will select Georgia Tech power forward Derek Roover, uh Derek Favors. I I don't know. I don't like I don't know if I like that pick. Uh Chad Ford thinks that uh Doug Collins prefers uh favors over Turner at the number two selection. And of course, Chad Ford, ESPN.com's draft expert. But I don't know if the upside of Derek Favors is more than Evan Turner. Turner has the shooting, has the ability to pass, and if you're looking into the needs of the 76ers, uh, you're right. I think they might need a power forward more than they would need a guard like Evan Turner. But I think that it's going to be a very interesting number 2 pick because it almost seems as if everything that I've been reading is that the 76ers front office is very mixed in their selection for their number two pick. They don't know if they're going to go with John Wall or if they're going to go with Derek Favors, All right? Not Derek, not John Wall, I should say. Evan Turner. I'm getting confused here. But uh, people have been comparing Favors to Dwight Howard. Well, I don't know if you can really make that comparison because Dwight Howard is an absolute freak of nature. The shoulders are just are very wide he's a fantastic player and I just don't think that you can compare Derek Favors to Dwight Howard because if you do that then you might be going into making a comparison of well okay if that's his ceiling then what's his his basement because his basement could definitely could definitely be a Tyrus Thomas we have our first caller Uh, Jack is on the line Jack how are you Good, how are you? I'm doing great, doing great. We're talking a little bit about the NBA draft and, and also uh, talking about the hiring of Tom Thibodeau for the Bulls coach, and uh, we'd love to hear you chime in a little bit on this.
2: Do I have to limit my comments to those?
0: No, topics? no, no, you certainly do not. I mean, we, we've we been talking about, we'll, we'll be talking about a lot today, uh, any, the NHL draft, awards, schedule, maybe get a little bit into the College World Series, uh, which is going on right now, uh, but uh, yeah, go ahead. What's your thoughts, Jack?
2: Well, I guess I'd like to know what Justin's thoughts are on the resurgent White Sox and who they might be picking up uh, to add to this uh, pennant drive that they seem to be on.
0: Well, uh, I I mentioned this at the top of the show, Jack, is that the the White Sox have won 11 out of 12, and I actually just wrote a blog about this, a blog post about this on my blog, whinerswords.wordpress.com, about how it's, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, Jack, but... Ever since the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup on June 9th, the White Sox have reeled off 11 out of 12 victories. Is that a coincidence? I don't know. I mean, again, their recent stretch of seven straight victories, six of them came against the Pirates and the Nationals. So I'm a little tentative to go ahead and say that this is a... I guess a a run that is going to continue because it's hard to win that many games. If you can start winning two out of three games in the series, I like your chances. But the way that the White Sox played at the start of the season, Jack, and and I know that you're an avid White Sox fan, obviously, that you're going to, I mean, I'm a little, I'm a little interested in to find out how they're going to perform in these next two games against the Braves. If they can shut down the Cubs who have been struggling as of late. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little, hesitant, because I think this might just be a blip on the radar screen.
2: Well, is it true that I understand that you may be spending some of your time over on that other side of town and uh, working with the Cubs?
0: That is true. I, I do work for WGN Radio uh, as my, uh, I guess you could call it my, my regular job, uh, and, and having to watch the Cubs, uh, especially last night, and again, we'll talk about this later, but um, the Cubs just, they're not a good team. They're a team that's going to have to be a seller come trade deadline. Now, as you mentioned, Jack, in your question, the White Sox could be a team that, as Kenny Williams said in the paper today, he thinks that this is a team where I might have to sit back and say, uh, you know, I might have to be a buyer, come trade deadline." And, and I think he I think if the team continues to play the way they have, you know it's almost as if the the, the power of the cup, if you will, uh, has re rejuvenated the White Sox. And they've seen what, and there's there's some guys. You look at Paul Canerco and Mark Burley and guys that have been on a championship winning team that experience that. And you get to see the cup on that Sunday night uh, in uh, Wrigley Field, and you know you get to witness uh, one of the great pitching performances of the of the season. And I think the White Sox, and I know uh, that a lot of people think that this and is I not just a, uh, I, I wouldn't even call it a blip on the radar. I think this is a, a resurgent. Resurgence for the White Sox. And I think if you're looking down the trade deadline, one of the names that has been mentioned, Jack, for uh, about a month has been Lance Berkman. Uh, a big lefty bat, a guy that can, that can hit some home runs, that can hit for power. But also, and I know that you might be uh, interested in this, but you gotta be wondering how Jermaine Dye is looking right now. He's a power bat. Now granted, he's a righty. But he's not doing anything. What kind of shape is he in? If you, if you were worried about the power, because the White Sox until last night had gone eight straight games without a home run and, and Carlos Quinton hit the one eight games ago and hit the one last night. So uh, my question to you is, Jack, if, if you're wanting, if you really want a power bat and you think that that's your need, do you go after a guy like Jermaine Dye that you let go?
2: No, I got to be honest. I I, I don't think uh, that they 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 should bring in Jermaine Dye. I think that they definitely uh, should go after Berkman.
0: Well, I I appreciate the call, Jack, and thank you for uh, chiming in your two cents because I think that if you're looking at the White Sox, they're gonna have. To, I I would agree. That I think they have to go with the Lance Berkman route because uh, Berkman is a proven lefty bat. Now his health has always been a concern, but in terms of the way that he can go about a game and change a game with his bat from the left side—that's something that the White Sox really lack in their lineup, and I, I really, I, I think that that is the route they're going to have to go. So, thanks for calling, Jack. I think that is the route. Well,
1: good talking with you,
0: good friend Jack, calling in on uh, line five, which again, as always, leaves about six lines open. Eight eight eight. 463-6748-888 Go for it if you'd like to chime in. Uh, we were talking NBA draft and also the get to the NBA uh, hiring, or I should say, the Bulls hiring of Tom Thibodeau, uh, which we will get to uh, later on. But uh, while we're on that topic uh, of Major League Baseball, um, I was listening to something yesterday, and I'll, this is a, a little bit of a tangent. The Cubs and Cubs fans. We're honestly considering plunking- Mar- uh, Milton Bradley last night in their game the first time they had played Milton Bradley since his departure i I got to be honest that that's not a good idea. Bradley is hitting near the Mendoza line at two hundred. Why would you plunk a guy? Why would you put a guy on base that has speed that can definitely hurt you on the bases? Why would you put him on base when you have a better chance? When you have an 80% chance, roughly, of getting him out. No answer. There's no, there is no answer. There's no good or reasonable explanation to hitting Milton Bradley. Just doesn't make any sense. Yes, I understand he gave you heartache in Chicago, but yes, you have to understand that playing in Chicago is tough. And Milton Bradley, of course, accepted that he had some emotional issues, but I just, I don't think that – oh, my goodness, i I got to stop here. The USA just had a golden scoring chance, absolutely golden scoring chance. A cross by Clint Dempsey, and then the header uh, that flew in there by Josie Altidore right into the keeper. Uh, unfortunately, the U.S. unable to score there, and now you've got uh, Algeria coming on the, the other side. And, of course, they, they uh, went a little wide left on that shot, but a little tie-in there. Now getting back to Milton Bradley. Fans that want to plunk Milton Bradley don't understand the game of baseball. They really don't. There is, there is not one fan or one person that could tell me that hitting Milton Bradley would be a good idea. You just, I could not think of one knowledgeable baseball fan that could say that. Milton Bradley is a 200 hitter this year. He's had problems getting on base. He's not going to hurt you. So I really don't understand how in the world Cubs fans, unless you're a meathead, which is essentially what some of these fans sound like. They just want to hit this guy. And, you know, if you're a Cubs fan out there, yeah, I understand you're having troubles with this team. And I think that you have to understand that this is a team that's really out of it right now. And we've got another caller, Mike, who's on line five. Mike, it says here you want to talk about. Ryan Sandberg is the Cubs manager.
1: Hi, uh, Justin. This is Mike up in Lake Zilla. Yeah, you know what? I'm a big Cub fan, and I've about had it with the uh, Lou Piniella experience. Um, do you think it's time to bring Sandberg up? Uh, is he ready? Or do we wait until a new season starts? I, I just, I'm ready for Ryan Sandberg to come up and run this team because I'm tired of Lou Piniella.
0: Well, I think you're not the only one, Mike. Uh, there has been plenty of people that have called in and said that Lou just doesn't have it anymore. And this is, this certainly isn't the same Lou that we have seen in many of his years as a manager. No. You used to see a very fiery Lou Pinella, a guy that would go after the umpires, that would go after his team, and he's almost a little too reserved now. And I, I have to say, I think th- that you might be right here, Mike, in that the Cubs need to take a look at Ryan Sandberg. He's now managing the I Cubs, the AAA affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. I think that if you're looking maybe in the future, which is what seems like Tom Ricketts is doing because when he came in this year, Cubs fans, you got you have to remember that Ricketts said that this was going to be a process that if this wasn't going to be a one-year fix. And right now, as Cubs fans, you know they want instant satisfaction because it's been a hundred years since you win a World Series. But Ricketts has said that he does not expect this year to be the year. So if i'm if I'm following the Ricketts philosophy here, Mike, I think you let Pinella manage out the rest of the season because right now, what are you going to do by bringing up Ryan Sandberg aside from giving him the experience? the well there he, you
1: go you, you give him a little bit of experience maybe but the rest of this season
0: I don't know. I don't know I, that that's the only thing if, if you if your goal is to give him the experience, if you don't think that he could come up from the AAA level and next year come into that slot that Lou Pinella will likely void. Uh, You know, he has openly stated that this may be his last year uh, managing Major League Baseball. If your goal is to get Ryan Sandberg the experience, then he's your guy. I don't think there's another guy, especially if you're a Cubs fan, that you would want in that position. Because Ryan Sandberg has proven that he can manage. As a player, he was one of the most intelligent players. And in terms of his managerial skills, he's right up there. I think he could do it right now, Mike. I really do. It's just a matter of, do you want to let go Lupinella? Do you want to, I don't know if it's, if you want to tarnish his legacy or, or what it would be, because at this point in the season, the Cubs, when you have a, an outing like last night with Ryan Dempster, going a complete game, giving up one home run, which was his only mistake of the night, and your team does not help you, your hitting does not help you, how is that the manager's fault? That's my That's question to you. How is, how is that the manager's fault? How can you um, blame the manager for a team not hitting?
1: My, my argument, my comment would be there have been a lot of uh, times in the history of baseball where teams make a change midseason and it lights a fire, especially under veteran players who see a Lou Pinella's legacy, as you say, be tarnished uh, because of their performance and are a little embarrassed by that and pick up the slack with the new guy. I'm not saying that would happen, um, but, it, but it has happened. Oh um, no! And I think and those I, veteran I, guys need a fire lit under them a
0: little bit. I definitely agree, and I think that these guys, right now in the in the Cubs organization, they have. I don't know if I want to say and go as far as to say that they have given up on Lou Pinella, but they certainly are not playing with that same type of, gut and desire and heart, that you see for the most part in this team. You you see this team, and and a perfect example was last night. If you're Alfonso Soriano. What are you doing running with your head down? And I and I, I don't know, Mike, Mike I, I'm sure you've probably coached baseball in your day. And if you're a coach and you teach these fundamentals, if you're a Major League Baseball player, how can you really blame the manager? You know, again, I think that lighting the fire would be a great thing for the Cubs to try to get Ryan Sandberg up here. But I'm not sure that that's going to change anything because the way this team is playing it's almost as if they're uninspired. Okay. Well, thanks for calling, Mike. I appreciate the call. Mike and Lake Villa chiming in in here on Two Guys and a Mic. If you'd like to chime in, 888-463-6748. We're going to take a break here on Two Guys and a Mic. We'll be back here in, uh, in about two minutes here. We'll talk a little bit more about Major League Baseball. We'll get into the NBA draft a little bit more, talk about my top five picks and continue on my top five picks And we'll also update you on the World Cup game, which right now the USA and Algeria still tied at 0-0 in the 74th minute. Not looking good as England leads Slovenia 1-0. We're back here on Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. on two guys and a mic on TalkZone.com. Justin Weiner with you for the remaining half hour. David Olson, our tireless producer-engineer on the other side of the glass, gets a week off from the Big Dog and the coach. However, Big Dog will be calling in tomorrow. I'll have the show with you from 10 to 11 a.m., where uh, we will obviously, uh, we should, by the end of this show, have the outcome of the USA-Algeria game, uh, which is going on currently right now on ESPN. Uh, Right now, looking very gloom, the outlook, very gloom for gloomy for the United States soccer team as England leads Slovenia one to nothing. And if that verdict stands, the only way for the United States to advance is to beat Algeria. And they've had plenty of good scoring chances. Now eight, or I believe nine shots on target. Uh, but none of them finding the back of the net. 888-463-6748 is the number to call if you'd like to chime in on anything we're talking about today. 888-GO-FOR-IT. That's F-O-R, not F-O-U-R. Again, 888-463-6748. Again, Justin Weiner sitting in for the coach and Big Dog for the remaining half hour. We were talking about the miserable Chicago Cubs, uh, the way they have been playing, and I, I think that no one would disagree with me if I called them the miserable Chicago Cubs because at this point during the season, they have been playing miserable. Uh And you look at last night, Ryan Dempster. Probably his best outing. Yeah, No, I would say it was his best outing of the season. And the Cubs could not score. They could not score. It was miserable. Watching this team, and I was producing the game last night for WGN Radio, and it was, I believe, the fifth inning. Alfonso Soriano is running with his head down on a fly ball. Gets doubled off second base. Just had no idea what was going on. And if you're a Cubs fan, which I wouldn't call myself a Cubs fan. I I will admit that I am a White Sox fan. But if I'm a Cubs fan, I have to be absolutely fed up with this team. I don't think there's any way to go about finishing this season as a legit supporter of the Chicago Cubs. We have had callers in our post-game show on WGen Radio call in and they want to just blow up the team. They want to bring up All minor league players. Now that is not possible because you can't do that with contracts. But I got to be honest with you, this team, this team is it's done. And we've got Bruce from Chicago on the line. Bruce, how are you today on this gloomy, gloomy Thursday? A very rainy Thursday, in or I should say Wednesday, in Chicago.
2: How you doing, Justin?
0: I'm doing great.
2: What's Ricketts going to do with uh, Hendry? I mean, we've we've talked a little bit about Panella, but Hendry. Is a guy that's uh, signed all these uh, fat contracts for non-performers, and I think that accountability's got to start at the top. Um, What's your best guess on Henry's future?
0: Well, if if I'm Tom Ricketts, and, and again, as I said to one of our previous callers, Jack, that if I'm Tom Ricketts, I said to the Cubs fans, I said to the organization that this was going to be a process. But if I'm Tom Ricketts and I see the way that this team performed this year, I think Henry has to go. If I'm Tom Ricketts, I send him packing. He made some good moves in getting Starlin Castro. He brought him up. You know, he he has done some good things, but I would agree with you, Bruce. The accountability starts at the top. Jim Hendry has done nothing right now to improve this team the way it has been in the last few weeks, and we will see when we get here in the next few weeks in terms of the when we get towards the trade deadline and and what this team is going to do. If Hendry makes A few more bad moves. I don't think there's anything you can do but let him go.
2: Now, if he goes, who comes in?
0: Now that that is a question that I, I, to be honest, I don't know. I don't know who you bring in. Burn
2: burn too many bridges. Say it again. Do you think Steve Stone's burned too many bridges?
0: See, I, you know, I we've heard Steve Stone's name a lot. Steve Stone knows baseball, but what has he done in terms of his? managing baseball. He played baseball, but all he's done as as a Major League Baseball, I guess you could say, manager per se, would be comment on the game. Now, I'm not trying to discredit Steve Stone's knowledge of baseball because he essentially can predict things before it happens. He's almost a prophet when you listen to him on the radio or when you would watch him on TV. I do think, though, that if you're a Cubs fan and... If you think that that is your best option, Steve Stone could be a good general manager in my opinion. He knows baseball well enough. He knows how to recruit guys. He knows how to look at talent well enough. Whether or not Tom Ricketts will look at Steve Stone because of, uh, yes, like you said, the bridges that he has burned. Especially with the whole Lou Piniella-Steve Stone fight. If you look at it, who was right in that fight? And again, for those of you who don't know about this, Pinella was upset with uh, Steve Stone after a comment he made about Piniello should bring in and play Tyler Colvin more. Well, look what happens when Tyler Colvin plays more. He gets on base, he scores runs, he drives in runs. So Steve Stone was right, and and Bruce, I I think you're right here. I think if you want to bring in a guy that's been with the organization, that is a Chicago guy, I think Steve Stone is the type of guy that you can bring in. But getting back to your first point, Hendry has to go.
2: Would agree, totally.
0: Hendry has to go. Hendry, I think by the end of this season, you will see that both Lou Pinella and Hendry will be gone. Because as a Cubs fan, and they are some of the most fickle fans out there, you can't accept this mediocrity like you have this season.
2: Can I make one more comment about Wrigley Field? Go ahead, Bruce. Uh, last weekend, for the first time, I went to Fenway. And both uh, both ballparks are a similar vintage, roughly 100 years old. And. I could not believe the difference of the infrastructure that I saw Fenway versus Wrigley. And, and I didn't realize what an absolute garbage dump Wrigley is uh, down below concessions, restrooms. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that Ricketts has talked about putting big money into Wrigley, and he's going to have to do it if they want to be honest and compare the two ballparks. I mean, the field of play, uh, you know, both wonderful, wonderful ballparks as far as uh old-time baseball, but uh, with respect to the infrastructure, there is absolutely no comparison between the two facilities. Fenway is newer below, uh, well-lit, uh, lots of different, uh, better choices in food. Um, just, it's just uh, a much more comfortable feeling, in my opinion, and I'm trying to be objective. I'm not a Cubs fan. I'm not a Red Sox fan. I just thought it was a kind of a night-and-day deal. As far as the two ballparks were concerned, as far as the upkeep.
0: Well, thank you very much, Bruce. Uh, I appreciate the call. Bruce from Chicago chiming in here on two guys and a mic. If you'd like to call in, eight eight eight-four six three-six seven four eight eight eighty eight go for it is the number to call. And I think that Bruce brings up an actual uh, a really good point about Wrigley and Fenway. Tom Ricketts has put a lot of money into this Wrigley Field experience. You know, he brings in the Toyota sign, which is supposed to bring in about $2.4 million of revenue for the Chicago Cubs. And he talks about changing up the bathrooms and improving the bathrooms, improving the concessions. And again, the whole the whole Ricketts scheme here is that it's going to be a process. This isn't going to be a one-year fix. And I agree with him. I don't think it's going to be a one-year fix because you can't turn a team around in one year. Take the Chicago Blackhawks, for example. 2007, they didn't make the playoffs. 2010... They're the Stanley Cup champions. It, you know, it takes some time. I'm not saying this is, this Cubs team is the same as the Chicago Blackhawks, but I do agree with Bruce that the, the field of Wrigley, Wrigley Field just needs to have a great deal of improvements. And one of my, actually, it's kind of funny. Dave Bomer, one of my former college professors wrote an interesting article about how Wrigley Field is the reason the Cubs can't win a championship, because Mr. Wrigley used to sell Wrigley Field on the ballpark, on the experience of going to Wrigley Field, of being able to watch a ball game with your kids or with your family, to have a beer, to, to have a hot dog and some peanuts, to watch a baseball game in the sun, and because in back then it was all day games. Well, there seems to be one enormous flaw in that logic. Where is it that you're looking about winning baseball games? I don't see it. I, I, there, there is nothing in that logic where you're talking about winning baseball games. And for 50 years, the Cubs were okay with not winning baseball games. We're not with not winning World Series championships. But after a hundred years, if you're a Cubs fan, I sympathize with you. I understand that it's been a long time and you're, you're sick and tired of it. But in order for that to change, the whole notion of Wrigley Field, of going just to sit in the bleachers at Wrigley Field and throw way too many beers back. To get a little sloshed in the bleachers and not know what's going on in the game, that has to change. I actually went to a game last Friday. It was, uh, it was against the Angels. First time the Los Angeles Angels had ever played in Wrigley Field. And the Cubs tried to come back in the ninth inning. They did what they could, but they were they were at a 7-2 deficit. And I looked at the guy next to me, and he had no idea what the score was. I asked him. I said, do you know what the score is right now? Because I thought, I, you know, I wanted to prove my point. And the Cubs fan, that's sitting in the bleachers next to me, did not know the score of the game. And I'm not, I don't want to compare here in my next statement, but if you go to a White Sox game, or if you go to many other games around stadiums in the country... The fans are going to know what the score is. When you go to a Cubs game, it's not built around expecting the team to win. You almost expect the team to lose. And that is not the type of atmosphere that you want to create for a ball club. The Cubs, if they win a World Series in the next few years, the city of Chicago might collapse. We might have the Chicago Great Fire Round 2 because of all the riots that would ensue. But in order for that to change and in order for that to happen you have to change the atmosphere of the ballpark. You cannot have a team and fans that they cheer when Go Cubs Go plays because that that is the kind of signal that okay we won. But before that they don't know if they've won. Now I'm not speaking for all Cubs fans here. I I don't mean to do that. But Again, like I said, if you go to White Sox Park, if you go to U.S. Cellular, if you go to Fenway Park, if you go to Safeco Field in Seattle, where the Cubs are playing in the middle of a three-game stand with the Mariners, they know the score. They know what's going on. Cubs fans don't. You know, they want to complain. They want to say that Jim Hendry needs to go, that Lou Piniella needs to go. Well... I agree. They both need to go. But before they go and before this team and these, these players make a difference, the attitude of the fans has to change. You have to expect winning records. You have to go to the game, care about the game. You know, Wrigley Field is a great place because it's always loud. There's always fans chirping and hollering at the players and people complain about US cellular because, you know, it's quiet during the middle half of the innings. Well, I would argue that those fans are actually watching the game. They're not sitting there having a great time at the ball game. They're expecting the team to win. And if you're the Cubs, you, you, last night against the Mariners, Ryan Dempster with his best performance of the season, in my opinion. Okay. Maybe not his best. You look at his outing against the Dodgers when he won three nothing. That was probably his best, but last night, a complete game, eight innings, five hits, two earned runs gave up. And made one mistake, one home run, and he struck out eight, and the Cubs failed to score. It was tough to watch. And if you're a, if you're a Cubs fan out there, which there are plenty of them around the country, I sympathize with you. I've had to watch this team. I've had to produce their games. I've had to go cover their games for the last month and a half now. It's not fun. It's not fun to be a Cubs fan. Now when we turn the tides over here, and we look at the White Sox, it's fun to be a White Sox fan. And that has Cubs fans just irked. They are not happy. Not happy. And before we get to that, our number, 888-463-6748, 888 it If you'd like to call in two guys in a mic, I'm Justin Weiner. Filling in for the coach and Big Dog. I'll be with you tomorrow from 10 to 11. And I will be uh, joined on the phone lines by good old Joe Radwanski the big dog, he will be calling in to chime in, and I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about with baseball and also the NBA draft, which is coming up. But uh, getting to a little World Cup update. USA and Algeria tied 0-0 in the 89th minute, scoreless. Scoreless in the 89th minute. And folks, that is not good if you're a USA soccer fan. I don't know how much stoppage time they have, but as of right now, England and Slovenia, England up 1-0 in stoppage time. So it's only a matter of time before that game goes final. And the only way for the United States to advance, with England winning, they will now have five points. The only way for the United States to advance is to beat Algeria in this game. And they are now in stoppage time. There's four minutes of additional stoppage time. It is do or die for the United States. And this is what you see in Algeria. They have not allowed a goal in this World Cup. And it doesn't look... For all intents and purposes, like they will do that here. And it looks like the United States will have to wait another four years to compete for that gold I don't even the gold trophy. I don't I don't even know what you would call that thing. It's kind of a, a couple hands holding up a soccer ball. And Algeria actually with a great scoring chance here, and Tim Howard knocks that one away and has to get the United States rolling here. But getting back to the South Side, the City of Chicago and I wrote about this again in my blog on weinerswords.wordpress.com. That That's weiners, W-E-I-N-E-R-S, words.wordpress.com. Talked a little bit about the way the cup, and oh my goodness, as I say that, the United States just scored. Oh my goodness. I, I I'm speechless. The comeback kids. The comeback kids have come back again. This is phenomenal, folks. This is absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if you're a soccer fan. And again, I'm going to go off on a tangent here because this happens once every four years. This is like the Olympics, the World Cup. So much for me saying that the United States can't fight for that little gold ball with the people handing up or up holding up the soccer ball. What an unbelievable scoring opportunity. Landon Donovan comes in from behind the play after the keeper stops the ball and puts it in the back of the net. And the United States leads 1-0 over Algeria. The final, England beats Slovenia. If the United States can hold on, they're at, in the 92nd minute and they have four minutes of stoppage time. They have two minutes to kill. If they can hold on, they're going to the round of 16. What a story. What an absolute story. And I'll keep you updated that as we go along here. We only have 10 minutes left on the show. We'll get back to, uh, the South Side baseball here in Chicago. The White Sox have just been heating it up ever since the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup. And I honestly think, I honestly think that the power of the cup, now call me crazy, call me absolutely nuts, but I feel like this White Sox team that has experienced the championship back in 2005, they know what it's like to win a championship. They know what it takes. And all of a sudden they see the Chicago Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup and they say, let's do this. And look what happens. Since June 9th, since the White Sox saw the Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup, they are 11-12. and Their starters have been lights out. Their hitting has come around. Last night, nine runs against the Atlanta Braves. Tommy Hansen, who coming into the game, was one of the Braves' better starters. He comes in, and he just gets rocked. The White Sox hitting has come around, and their pitching has been great. And as a White Sox fan, I can say this is this is very fun to watch. And I actually, I actually told my uncle this the other night, that they're out of it. Because I, I thought that this is a blip on the radar. And we have two more games against the Braves in this series that, that the White Sox are currently in. If the White Sox can win two out of three from the Braves, if they can take two out of three from the Cubs, you've got a believer in me. And I will go to my uncle and I will say, you were right, I was wrong. Because if if the White Sox can turn this around and they can make a run, they're now four and a half out of the central. And that's the only way they're going to make it into the playoffs because the AL is just too good, too good for the White Sox to make it in terms of a wild card. They need to win the AL Central, which they have a legitimate shot of doing if they can continue this run. They have been lights out. Gordon Beckham starting to hit. Carlos Quinton starting to hit and it is just, it's been fun to watch on the South side. This team is starting to put it all together and it all, maybe what it took was for Kenny Williams to say, look, we just, we need to, we're going to start making some trades. We're going to start making some trades. And as I say that, the United States, a final, they have won and they will move on to the round of 16. Algeria falls and gives up their first goal. ...of the World Cup in their three games. They gave up only one goal. A great effort by Algeria. And obviously a lot of emotion on the field right now... ...as as Algeria falls to the United States 1-0. But the United States is moving on to the round of 16. They will advance, as will England, in Group C. So if you look at the first six teams in the round of 16... ...it's Uruguay and Mexico in Group A... ...Argentina, South Korea in Group B... ...and England and the United States... In Group C, Landon Donovan coming away with the game winner in the stoppage time, which, again, the comeback kids, I don't know how much they can do it in the 90th minute plus one minute of stoppage time. Anyway, sorry about that. There's my little tangent on the World Cup because, as I said, I love watching the World Cup. It comes around every four years, and it's something that you got to watch and get into. And we'll move again back to the South Side and the White Sox. We have seen a team. Basically transform the way they have played ever since Kenny Williams, which is what I was saying before we uh, we got off the air. Ever since Kenny Williams had said we need to change things up here, the White Sox have turned it around. AJ Persinsky, there is no hotter bat in the AL. There's no hotter bat in Major League Baseball. AJ Persinsky, who if you're a, if you're a Northsider, you obviously can't stand that uh, because AJ Persinsky is like the kryptonite to Chicago Cubs fans. But this team has started to put it all together, and they are looking like a team to be reckoned with, which is refreshing to see because they were nine games out of 500, nine games down out of 500, and it looked like the season was over. It looked like they would be sellers come trade deadline. Well, as we had for one, we had one of our callers call in. I believe it was Jack talk about what we want to have the White Sox do. And I think that when you're looking down the stretch, the White Sox, they have to go after a lefty bat. And that lefty bat looks like it's going to be Lance Berkman, which if you're, if, if I'm making that decision, I think it's a great decision because Lance Berkman can help you big time, big time on the left side. He can hit for power, and frankly, he's one of the better lefty bats in the last few years in Major League Baseball. Well, there's a little wrap on baseball here, and, and I wanted to just delve quickly uh, into the NHL. The NHL Awards show is tonight, and being, as it may, that we are in Chicago, uh, Morton Grove, Illinois, actually, uh, I, you got to make mention of Duncan Keith, who's up for the Norris Trophy, who's for the best defender. He's up against Mike Green and Drew Doughty. Mike Green of Washington, Drew Doughty of the Los Angeles Kings. And Duncan Keith, For all intents and purposes and being as, I would say, yeah, I'll, I'll consider it being as biased as I am. I don't think that you can say that Duncan Keith doesn't deserve this trophy. Now the trophy was voted on before the playoffs and Duncan Keith was a big contributor, this contributor to the Chicago Blackhawks Stanley Cup championship, especially in the playoffs. He was great, but. He's going to have a tough time topping Mike Green, who was the runner up last year for the Norris Trophy, best defensive player of the year, and will likely be the front runner for the Norris Trophy this year. I I, I mean, I, I can't really I can't really say that Mike Green's gonna win it. I would love for Duncan Keith to win it, but who knows if that's gonna happen. I think Duncan Keith has shown that he is a legitimate candidate for this award, but also the other thing that came out yesterday, as the NHL awards being held in Las Vegas, the thing that came out yesterday was the regular season schedule. The schedule uh, pre a couple of the must-see games first off, the uh, the season kicks off the Pittsburgh Penguins open up in their new home, the Console Energy Center on October 7th. And the Blackhawks, if you're a Chicago fan, open up in Denver on the 7th. But the more important date, if you're a Blackhawks fan, is when they will... And I don't think there was any planning in this. And of course, I'm 100% kidding it when I say that. The Blackhawks will raise their Stanley Cup banner on October 9th against Detroit. That's just... that's too... that's too perfect. That is just too perfect. Anyways, great show for you. Coming up tomorrow, folks, I will be on with you from 10 to 11 with the big dog, Joe Rodwanski, checking in via the phone line. A USA win, 1-0 over Algeria, and an England win over Slovenia, 1-0, and those two are headed to the group of 16, or the round of 16 in the World Cup. I'm Justin Weiner. Our great producer, David Olson did a wonderful job today. I will see you tomorrow. We'll talk about the NBA draft. We'll talk about the hiring of Tom Thibodeau, which is coming up here in the next few minutes. And, of course, we will talk about Chicago baseball. Two guys in the mic signing off for today. We're on a 23-hour break. See ya.